Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Jesus speaking, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. We're going to take our text out of verse 35. When I read this verse, I can't help but think of Brother Mike Griffin because it's a pure expression of who he was. So I'll dedicate this word to him and his family today. But we'll take our text out of verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. We're going to talk for a few minutes this morning on the subject, good things. Look at your neighbor and tell him good things. Good things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I'm so grateful for your goodness. I'm thankful That every time we enter this sanctuary, your presence is here. It's felt. It's not just omnipresence. We know you're everywhere. It's that powerful, anointed presence, manifest presence that makes a difference. God, we pray you do the work today. I'm lacking, but you're full of abundance. God, we're hurting, but you are a healer. God, our ears are open to hear your word today, and we ask that you'd speak to our heart, that it would bring forth fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. God, your word would be strong in this house today, that somebody's mind would be changed and altered, that strongholds would be broken down, that spirits that have been plaguing us would be cast out in the name of Jesus, and that lives would be changed. God, we're here to receive from you. Have your way. Do your good work in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can you put your hands together one more time and give God praise? Then you may be seated. Good things. Good things. I was watching a movie. uh, I think many years ago, it was a mobster movie. And... The guys, when they would approach each other and have a conversation, when it was over, they they would say, good things, good things, good things. And so that stuck with me (laughs) my whole life. And you may not think that's funny. I think it's hilarious because I love the, the persona and the way those guys were. But they had a family feeling about them. They did a lot of wrong, but they did have some things right. 
But they made sure that when they walked away from each other, they said good things, good things. So if you don't remember anything we preach today, at least you'll remember that. Good things, good things. My goal is to encourage you this morning. My goal is to present the word in a way that you're able to take away some practices or maybe some tools that can help you produce fruit in your life. Somebody say good things. We all want good things in our life. We all want a good life. We want good times. We probably had many of those this week with our family. Some may say, no, I did not. I'm glad they're gone. But we want good things, good times. We want good finances. We want good health. We want good kids. We want good marriage. We want a good wife. We want a good husband. We want good days. We want good days. We want a good job. We want a good church. We want a good pastor. And praise the Lord, we have a good pastor. We want good friends. Bless his name, we want good food. But we want good things. And we all desire good things, but the challenge we face is on every platform that we seem to engage, we are receiving bad news. Bad news. And it's hard in a dynamic that we have in this generation where dialogue tends towards negativity or division. It gives us this insinuation that things are not good, right? And so though we desire good things, it's a challenge for us to walk in the fruition of those good things because of everything that's drowning us out in negativity. I wrote this this morning, and I just want to encourage you with it. Enough bad news produces a bad outlook on life. A bad outlook on life will result in a bad attitude. A bad attitude is attracted to negativity and refuses the positive energy of life. A lack of positive energy in a person's life will result in fear. Fear produces anxiety that ultimately becomes depression. Depression's goal is hopelessness, and hopelessness always bears bad fruit. However, if we speak good things, it produces a positive outlook on life. A good outlook on life will result in a good attitude. A good attitude refuses to recognize negativity and is attracted to the positive. An abundance of positive energy in a person's life produces faith. And faith produces hope. And for the purpose, for the person full of hope, anything is possible. My encouragement, my hope today is that you walk out of here with a positive outlook and you refuse the negativity that's trying to creep up in your life. God is good. And all the time. But God is, he is good. He is good. See, nature speaks about God. You don't need the word of God to know God. You can look at nature and his creation and you can learn about God. 
We know God is a God of systems because we see the stars and we see agriculture and we see life cycles. And so we know God is a God of systems. We know God is a God of integration and color and diversity because he didn't make one color flower. He made many colors, many flower colors. When we look at the sky, especially in Oklahoma, and we see a sunset or a sunrise, we're always amazed at the beauty that is cast across the sky. And what is that? That is God showing and displaying that he is a God of diversity because there's not just one color orange. There's many colors orange. And so we learn about God when we look at nature. But another thing we can see about God is that he is good. He is good. He is good. And in his goodness, he's provided for us uh, uh, examples, object lessons that we can look at and understand his purpose for our life. His purpose for our life has never changed. It began in Genesis chapter 1 and it works its way all through scripture. That purpose is that we are to be fruitful. And to multiply. And so he's been good to us in that he's given us everything we need to be fruitful. Can I get an amen? Good things, good things. God is good. God is good. When God made it, he made it because of what he said. And then he saw what he said. And then he said it was good. Isn't that awesome? And so we know God is good because when he made a thing, he said it, then he saw it, then he said it was good. That'll encourage somebody in itself. What you say is what you'll ultimately see. Is it going to be good? And so when God makes a thing, he makes it and he says it's good. God didn't make anything bad. He didn't say anything was bad. God's amazing because when he made something and he looked at it and it wasn't good, he didn't call it bad. He said it is not good. And so what he did in that moment was he created something else to add to that thing. And now he said, now this is good. Because God is never going to produce something negative in your life. Just because it's going bad doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not good yet. Because he'll transform, he'll make something out of nothing or he'll take something right up out of you to bring it back to you to create something good in your life. Why? Because God is good and he produces good things. Everybody say good things. So in our text this morning, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. He's addressing the Pharisees here and he's getting a little frustrated with them. And in my view, when he's talking to them, he just stops and brings out this subject of these trees, right? And, and he's talking about, you know, you know this and that with the, with the Pharisees. They're mad at him because he's healed uh, uh, some people. He, he, the, his disciples recently just ate corn on the Sabbath, and they're mad because he ate corn. And he tells them, look, chill out. It's good. It's okay. They can eat corn. Didn't David eat right off the, 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 the showbread table with his, with his guys? And didn't God tell him that? It's okay. Chill out. Then he casts a demon out of somebody, and then they still get mad because you can't do good works on the Sabbath. 
And Jesus says, isn't it lawful to do good works on the Sabbath? And then they condescend to him. And they say, this fellow, they can't even call his name. They don't even say Jesus. They say, this fellow is casting out demons by Beelzebub. So they try to manipulate the good things that God is doing and saying that he's doing good things by evil works. And so Jesus, in his confrontation with them, stops abruptly. He's been going at them. He's been going right in their face about this mess that they're trying to indoctrinate, they're, they're trying to dilute his power with, and he stops in the middle of it. And I don't think when he started this part of the dialogue that he was speaking to them. I think he took a moment and stepped back. Because if you read the entire chapter of, of chapter 12, you'll see he was addressing them, and he was addressing them pretty hard. And he stops and he steps back, and I believe he looks at his disciples at this moment. And he gives them an object lesson. Either make the tree good or make it bad. Why does he do this? Because just a few chapters earlier, he's teaching all of his disciples and all the people in Matthew chapter 7. And he says this, watch out for false prophets. Verse 15, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And so when he makes this comment either make the tree good or make the tree bad he's addressing his disciples and it catches their attention because they have a reference point and he's showing them in real time what that means we like to take the teachings of the lord and make them very simple or not not identifiable to our everyday life What he's trying to show them is it's deeper and more spiritual than what you're trying to make it out to be. No kidding, a good tree bears good fruit. No kidding, a bad tree bears bad fruit. But we don't take the time to make sure and cultivate the tree of our life to assure that it is, in fact, producing good fruit. And so watch him. He says, brood of vipers. So he stops talking to his disciples and he addresses The Pharisees, once again. And as he's addressing them, I'm reminded, I don't think it's an accident that he called them vipers in this moment. Because Jesus is talking about, he's creating a contrast here. The contrast he's creating is good and bad. Good and evil. And he's talking about a tree that produces fruit. Well, the last time I remember a tree bearing fruit that had a snake in it, it was in Genesis. And so he addresses them, brood of vipers. What did the snake do in Genesis? The snake was trying to manipulate the mind of God's creation to misinterpret the word that God had given them. Because he knew if he could deceive them out of understanding what God had said, that he would rob them of the very fruit 
that they were given. In Genesis, God plants the man in the garden. I like that side note that he takes his first creation, the one that carries his purpose in the earth, and he puts him in a garden, and he paints a picture of agriculture to his people. I'm going to give you a place, and you're going to have all the tools you need, but you got to do the work to make sure that it bears fruit. And here's the deal. When you're in the garden of God, you have access to everything. He said you can eat of every tree except one. And right in the middle, he plants the tree of life. This tree produces wholeness. This tree produces abundance. This tree produces fruitfulness. This tree produces satisfaction. This tree produces joy. And you can eat of it freely. As a matter of fact, every tree in this system you can eat of freely. Just not one. What is that? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you eating from that tree. You don't need to know the distinction between good and evil. You don't know how to handle that kind of power. As far as Adam was concerned, if he'd have just kept living, everything would have been good. He wouldn't have known the suffering that comes from evil. He wouldn't have known how to distinguish one from the other. It could have been a bad situation, but all he would have understood was the good of it or the life that comes from it because that's all he had. But if he eats the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, what that tree produces, what that knowledge produces now becomes a part of his system. And that's what Jesus is fighting in this moment. Because these religious people were constantly harping on and they were the ones interpreting for the people what was good and what was evil. They were using as a point of control. The devil has always tried to get up in your garden. The devil has always tried to get up in your trees. And all he's trying to do is get you a little bit deceived. He doesn't want to take all the words away from what God said. Did God not say? He doesn't want to take them all out. He just wants to steal some of your understanding so that you cannot produce the good things that God wants you to produce in your life. We get tangled up in the religiosity of what God is trying to do in our life. Did we do good? Did we do bad? How about just focus on producing fruit? How about just focus on what he called you to do? How about just focusing on the word he gave you? And stop listening listening to the whispering devil. Last time I saw a snake addressed in a tree, it was in Genesis. And Jesus brings it back here. Because... What he's saying here is a good man. It literally means of good constitution or character. Pleasant or joyful, honorable, distinguished, excellent. In the beginning of the verse, he says a good tree, but it's a different word. He says beautiful, beneficial, valuable, virtuous, wealthy. When he's speaking of the tree and its fruit, he's speaking about the value of the thing. But when he's speaking of the man, he's speaking of the character of the thing. Because out of the good treasure of a good man's heart comes forth the valuable things. Let's move on. Let's move on here. So this is what Jesus is dealing with. I want to encourage you with something. These These religious people said that Jesus 
was casting out demons by another demon named Beelzebub. Just a ridiculous claim. I want to encourage you with this. Stop trying to define how God brings good things into somebody's life. He can do it any way he wants to do it. He can do it any way he wants to do it. Just celebrate the good things. Somebody say good things. All right, let's get into this word. Three points we're going to focus on and then we're out. Good seed, good ground, good things. Good seed, good ground, good things. Matthew 12, 33. Let's start at the beginning. Either make the tree good. Either make, somebody say make, the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. He said make. means to construct, to form, to author. Leaving us with the idea that we have the power to decide and then produce the fruit in our lives. As we've already rehearsed, God gave us uh, that initial blessing or that mandate, which is to be fruitful and multiply. But one thing we need to understand is we need to back up and remember that he, when he made us, he made us in his image and in his likeness. God has a way of making things happen. When he speaks, things happen. What he touches becomes good. And he made us in his image and his likeness. We have in us that power. We have in us that ability to touch a thing and it become good, to speak a thing and it come to pass. When we learn about God, when we first get introduced to God, it's important for us to know that we weren't introduced to him first as Savior. We weren't introduced to him first as Deliverer. We weren't introduced to him first as Healer or Redeemer. Yes, he is all those things. Praise the Lord, he is. And he's active in those things in my life just like he is yours. But when we're first introduced to God, the first thing he's introduced to us as is God the creator. God the creator. And God created the heavens and the earth. It's, it's within the first three words of scripture. God created. God created. Before we knew him as anything else, we knew him as creator. He is creative. He is creative, meaning he's marked by the ability or power to create and to be productive. We were made in his image and likeness. I want to tell you something. Creativity is not a gift or a trait that only certain people have. If you're a child of God, it is innate in your DNA. It is up inside of you. It is part of you. Whether you access it or not is up to you. But if you are a child of God made in his image, made in his likeness, you carry the same creative power that he does because he's the one that planted in you. Romans tells us to every man is given a measure of faith. That measure of faith is God's breath in your lungs. It's his spirit alive in you. You carry the creative power of God within you. We have it. It's not something. You're not creative just because you can draw. You're not creative just because you can paint good or design something or play an instrument. Every one of us have the creative power of God living inside of us. Either you make the tree good or else make it bad. What I just told you is you have in you the ability, that to, to, the power to make it good or bad for your life. The question is cultivation. Good seed. God's intention for us is to be fruitful. Be fruitful. The word of God, Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 8, is a seed. The word of God is a seed. 
and it is cast forth on ground. The question is, is it being cast forth on good ground or on thorny ground or by the wayside or on dead ground? That's the question here. And Jesus says in verse 15 of Luke chapter 8, but that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keeps it and brings forth fruit with patience. Jesus says in verse 33 of our text that a good tree bears good fruit. For there to be fruit, there must first be a seed. For there to be good fruit, there must first be a seed. I want you uh, to take a moment and ask yourself some questions. I told you I would give you some practical things that you could work on with regards to good things. If you want a life to be full of good things, you must first ask yourself these kinds of questions. What seeds have I allowed to be planted in my life? If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the word of God is a seed, then the way to my heart is my ears. The way to my heart is my ears. So what I'm allowing to go in are seeds planted in the ground of my heart. So what seeds am I allowing to be planted in my heart? Here's a tougher question. What seeds have I planted in my heart? His creation is the product of his word. When he spoke, it was made. God's word has power. He made it and it was good. And he saw what he made, what he said, and he said it was good. And Jesus says in our text that by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. To be justified literally means to be made innocent or free. To be condemned is guilty or bondage. You have in you the ability to decide whether you live in freedom or you live in bondage. Many of us, it's our language that keeps us locked up. We want to be free, but we can't stop the filthy mouth. And I'm not talking about your cussing. We all know you're cussing. But your cussing ain't keeping you locked up. What's keeping you locked up is, I messed up again. I'm just a failure. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I wasn't born in the right family. Everything bad keeps happening to me. I keep making bad decisions. God help me not make a bad decision. Stop praying, God help me not, help me not, help me not. You're planting negative seeds in your mind and in your heart. Those are seeds that produce negativity in you. Stop saying, God help me to not do something. Start saying, thank you, God, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Thank you that all things work together for my good thank you Lord that I'm going to make good choices today thank you God that good success is coming into my life start speaking some kind of positive word and let faith get up in your system see it's one thing to come to church and hear the word of God preached and it's a necessary thing you need to come to church you need to hear the word of God preached you need those seeds to be planted in the heart of your life but man You have to repeat the word for yourself. There's something dynamic about when a person speaks the words themselves. The faith is engaged at a greater level when you speak the word of God. When you hear your mouth speak the promises that God has spoken over your life. For instance, I am the head and not the tail. I am in front and not behind. I am above only and not beneath. Come on, somebody. 
Good things, that's right. Good things. Good things. Many people live in a prison of their own world. words. They can't figure out why things don't change, yet they never engage the creative nature of their spirit. What you see is a result of what you say. God said, then God saw it, then he called it good. Somebody say, make it happen. You can make the tree good. You can make it bad. All right, good seed. Now let's talk about good ground. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. Good treasure, a deposit or a depository. It's the same word, deposit, that God uses when he places Adam in the garden. So it paints the same kind of picture, that the garden of our heart is our treasury. It's where we accumulate our seeds. It's where we plant our seeds. The question here is, is your garden or your field um, got them pretty rows in it, like them cornfields? Have you ever been to an orchard or seen them on TV? They're just, they got, these trees are in perfect lines. They're, they're perfectly spaced apart to where they, they're able to engage synergy from one another, but they're not so crowded that their root systems won't produce the fruit they're supposed to produce. That'll preach in itself for a church. They're close enough, but they're not too crowded up on each other that the root system gets messed up. But they're in perfect line. My question to you is, what what does your ground look like? Do you have a row of of apple trees in in your garden? Or or do you have like an apple tree and then a a vine right over here? And then over here you got some weeds. And then over here you're trying to grow a corn stalk. And everything is everywhere and there's no order up in your ground. The evil here isn't about you just being deceitful the evil here isn't just about you being a bad person the evil here is talking about you not walking in the purpose that God intended you to walk in there's a fruit that God wants up out of your life but you have to have good ground somebody say good ground to produce good fruit every experience thought and feeling in your life has the ability to produce good or bad every feeling every experience, everything you go through in life. The question is not what did it produce, because sometimes circumstances outside of ourselves can produce things that we didn't produce, but they've produced something for us. So the question isn't what did I produce? The question is what did I retain from this experience? What did I learn from this experience? It's easy to retain or store up bitterness from rejection. It's easy to store up defeat from a disappointment. It's easy to store up a victim mentality from a mistake. The question is, is your field in order or is it a mess? Are you harboring bitterness because you were rejected? Or are you saying, God has given me an opportunity to be a healer to those that are rejected? Is the ground of your heart ready to produce fruit? What What if I'm doing everything right, Pastor Josh, and everything in my life is still going wrong? What's going on there? What, what if I feel like I'm walking out the principles that God has laid out for me? Everything pastor preaches from this pulpit, I'm trying to live it, but nothing seems to be getting better. I want to say something to you. The environment may affect the fertility of the soil, but it never changes the nature of the seed. 
The environment may affect the fertility of the soil, but it never affects the nature of the seed. The seed will always produce what's in it. So if you're up in bad ground, the question is, what seeds are you planting up in that ground? You have the ability in, to make a deserted, desolate, non-fruitless place, a place of plenty and abundance because God gave you that ability. Because out of the good treasure of a good man's heart, he brings forth good things. Give me an example. Joseph is speaking to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50. And he said, you thought evil of me. What happened to me? All of it, you thought evil of me. And I was put in some dirty environments. I've been put in some pits because of you. I've been lied on because of you. I've been locked up because of you. You thought of it as evil. Too often we take those evil moments that we're going through and we throw a pity party and we mess up our good ground. Our ground ends up hard. Our ground ends up rocky. We end up with the thorny bushes of life's experiences growing up in our ground because we're too busy play, uh, uh, throwing a pity party because of the hardships that we're walking through in our life. Joseph looked at it differently. You thought evil of me, but God meant it. For good. God meant it for good. In everything that Joseph went through, he found a way to be fruitful. Even, even the prophetic word over his life was Joseph shall be a fruitful vine. Why? Because he knew how to go through these desolate places in life and still produce fruit. The environment may affect the soil. But it never changes the, the nature of the seed. It's our responsibility to get to work on the soil of our life so that we can plant these good seeds and bring forth much fruit. How do you do that? How do you do that? You do that through praise. That's how you get the ground right. You get the ground right through praise. Why? Because if the ground is hard or it's full of weeds or whatever else, you got to till the ground. You got to bring a plow in and you got to till the ground and break it up. And depending on how hard it is, you might have to plow that ground for a while. You might have to soak it down a little bit and then plow it up again because you have to break it up and create it and turn it into good ground. Well, how do I plow up my ground? Hosea tells us that Judah shall plow. Judah means praise. You know what your prayer will do for you? Prayer will bring you a word from God. But praise will make the ground ready to receive the word of God. That's why when we come in this church, we sing praise songs first because we want to get the ground right. It's not these people's job to till the ground for you so that you can receive God's word. When we come in here, we should come in with a praise in our mouth lifted high because God is good. And it don't matter what we're going through in our life, we got to till up this ground because God's about to plant some seed up in me and my the ground of my heart better be ready. Either make the tree good or make it bad. It's your opportunity. You decide that. Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. I seem to remember Paul and Silas in a prison at midnight. They were locked up and in prison. 
Their ground was hard. Everything was restricted for them. And they still found a reason to give God praise. And in their praise, shackles were loosed. And not just their own, but everybody near them was set free because of their praise. What were they doing? They were getting the ground ready to see good things. If you want to bring forth good things, you have to have good seed. If you want to bring forth good things, you got to get good, your ground ready. You better get the ground right, good ground, and put seed in it. You don't know my ground. You don't know the life experiences I've been through. You're right, I don't. But I know mine, and they're probably just as hard as yours. Because this ain't a race to see who had the hardest life. This ain't, we don't get trophies because you went through more stuff than I went through. All of our lives are individual and on purpose. All of our lives are peculiar and distinct. God set you on the course of your story for a reason. And so he wants you. God meant it. God meant it for your good. There should be no excuses in those realms. So how do I break out of it? You break out of it with your praise. That's how you get the ground right. Philippians 8. Four, Philippians 4, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and watch this, and the God of peace shall be with you. Good ground, good seed, good ground, good things. Verse 35, brings forth good things that's what that which flows out of you it literally means useful the word things means useful remember when jesus said idle words you'll be judged by them it'll be bad for you literally he's saying what he's saying is they're not useful he's not saying that you're just talking nothing and you're going to get judged by your nothing talk what he's saying is when you're speaking words that are deceitful or not useful, you're going to be judged for that. God's going to get you for that. But if you can produce good things out of your heart, it, it's natural to come up out of you. If you can build a good heart. Keep your heart or guard it with all diligence for out of it spring or flow the issues of life. God's original intention is his final decision. We've heard this and learned this from our pastor over the years. And if that be the truth, then we can't forget that Genesis chapter 1, 28 says to be fruitful and multiply when he speaks to Adam. In Genesis 9, when he speaks to Noah and he's, he's wiped everything out and brought it back, he speaks to him and blesses him in chapter 9 and verse 1 of Genesis. And he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 17, speaking to Abraham, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. In Genesis 26, Isaac says, God has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Genesis 49, 22, Joseph is a fruitful vine. Exodus chapter 1, God's people in Egypt and the children of Israel in the midst of their bondage were fruitful and increased. Jeremiah 20 the remnant of the flock shall be fruitful and increase. Colossians, speaking of the church, the church will be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches and you shall produce good fruit. 
Hosea 14, God says this. From me is your fruit found. I'm going to read it like it's written in the King James Version. From me, God speaking, is thy fruit found. The doctrine of fruit is twofold. Number one, it's your fruit, thy fruit, which means you have a responsibility to it. When God put Adam in the garden, he said, dress it and keep it. That meant he had the responsibility to cultivate everything that was there. The paradise he lived in was a product of his own hands. It was his fruit. The fruit of your life is yours. It's a product of your own hands. It's a product of your decisions. It's a product of your language. It's a product of your heart. The heart is the root. The language is the fruit. That's how that works. It's your fruit. The second part of the doctrine of fruit is that it's from him. It's from him. He is the source. I am the vine. You are the branches. Everything good comes from the Father above. It can't be good unless he's involved. It can't be good unless he's the source. It can't be good unless he speaks that. It, it might be your fruit, but he's the one that he's the one that allows it to be brought forth. He is the source. How do you know I'm bearing good fruit? Well, Galatians tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Galatians 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. When you live with these, this, these good things manifesting in your life, you live a life of freedom. You live a life free of bondage. You live a life free of the oppression that law brings into your life. Religion can't hold you down because there's freedom in these things. If you live these things, you are living a life full of good things. If you live these things and these are the character traits of your life, then what you are exemplifying is God in the earth. The source of the fruit of your life comes from him. But it's your fruit. He's going to use your hands to produce it. Love. Joy. God is love. That is the essence of who he is, and nothing can separate you from it. Joy, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It is his joy. Joy is not happiness, something that happened in our life. Joy is something that's unspeakable. It comes from heaven above only. It's, the, it's that strength, that inner strength that says, when I am weak, he is strong. Peace, he is the prince of peace. And thank God it's the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds. Long-suffering, that's patience and mercy on people. Long-suffering is being willing to wait on somebody as long as God waited on you. Quit giving up on folks so easily. Quit sending them to hell so quickly. You ain't even got the authority to send them to hell to begin with. Kindness. Kindness. I never met a man more kind than Mike Griffin. I've met nicer people, and I said it yesterday, but nice, nice people can be shady too. <laughs> but kindness is, is something that comes from the heart, and it's expressed, and you feel it. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law, which means you get to live in freedom and complete liberty when you live in good things. Practice producing good things. I want to give you five takeaways concerning good things. Five takeaways. These are 
just simple principles you can write down. And hopefully they'll have them on the screen. Five takeaways concerning good things. Number one, you have the power to decide to have and then produce good things in your life. Sounds simple, but it's as true as it gets. You have the power to have and produce good things in your life. Number two, gravitate towards the good things of life. Avoid negative thoughts. Avoid negative people. Avoid negative feelings. All of them plant seeds in your heart. Practice positive thinking. How do I do that? Go back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It'll tell you everything you should think about. And it's so much that you wonder, how can I think about anything else if I'm thinking about all that? And it's the truth. Practice positive thinking. Number three, keep inventory of the treasure of your heart. Ask yourself, what am I storing up? Because what I am storing up in my heart will ultimately flow out of my life. If you want to know what's in a person's heart, just hang out with them long enough, you'll find out. Because they can't help but come up out of their mouth. Number four, uproot the weeds of bitterness, unforgiveness, and disappointment. Pull them up from the root. You don't need them. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. Forgiveness liberates you. Unforgiveness locks you up. Bitterness is a root, and it will destroy every part of your life. Replace them with joy, mercy, and determination. Life isn't easy. Life can be hard. But it is our responsibility to keep trucking. Amen? Number five, integrate the fruit of the Spirit into your relationships, decisions, and perspective. Be intentional about it. Don't do it on accident. Be intentional about it. Find the shortcomings of your life and address them. I know we didn't hoop and holler this morning, but I came in with a conviction. Pastor Rick preached two weeks ago on an open heaven. And what he prophesied over this house and over our lives is that God was going to open up the windows of heaven. And when those windows opened, the hand of God was going to be upon us. When the windows were shut up, what that meant was the rain was hit withheld and the land went into famine. Therefore, it had a hard time producing fruit. Well, if the windows are going to be open over our lives, then God is giving us a grace and a dispensation to produce the good fruit that he has intended in our life. As the people of God, it is our responsibility to grab hold of that mandate and produce that good fruit. We see a lot of mess in the world today. We see a lot of mess on the news. We see a lot of mess on our friends' timelines. We see a lot of mess in our families. And it produces bad or negative thinking. And it challenges us concerning where is the world going? How can it change? How can I even do anything about it if it's so bad? The reality is, if we just start bearing fruit, or releasing the good things in our life one by one, that nasty, weed-filled field. It's got nothing but weeds and rocks. 
we take our time with it and start producing some good things, it'll turn into a land of abundance. And I'm believing that the people of God, beginning right here at Quest Church, can start doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? Let me pray over you this morning. If you'll lift your hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We receive your word. It came right from your mouth. Either make it good or make it bad. We commit this day to make the fruit good. We commit today to make the tree good in the name of Jesus. God, help us to see that no matter how hard it gets, no matter what evil was meant for us, you meant it for good. And all things work together for our good. So we stand on that promise even now. God, we pray that the person right now that's dealing with rejection in their family, God, that you would bring comfort to their life and comfort to their heart. Don't let them quit. Don't let them let go. Don't let them allow the seed of that negativity and rejection to take root in their life. Let them see it as an opportunity that you're sending somebody brand new into their life. God, that they can feel your loving arms. God, the person right now that's, that's fighting sickness, they're dealing with health issues, sickness that's threatening death even in their family.